Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2018, the mega conference for social media marketers. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Chris Mercer, and we're going to explore advanced ways to use Facebook Pixel events in combination with Google Tag Manager to do literally crazy ninja remarketing stuff. And I'm not kidding, folks. This is one of those ones you might need to listen to twice because there's so much value in today's episode. By the way, if you need to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. With that, let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool app called Storio that helps you with Instagram stories. Cool. Tell me more. So the one unique thing that it does extremely well is you record a regular length video elsewhere in your phone, and then you open it in this app, and it chops those up into Instagram stories that are seamlessly played back. Interesting. So obviously it it's it's vertical video, mm-hmm. and so like give me an example. Like talk talk to me about how. how yeah. This- so for example, I did one a couple weeks ago where I talked about the Social Media Marketing Society, for example, and I recorded that for about a minute. So that's four different Instagram stories if you split them up into you know fifteen second chunks. But what was cool was is then you could throw it in this app. And if you start watching the first story, because it moves seamlessly through all of them. It being Instagram stories. Yes. You then have a higher watch time for the ones later on because it feels like it's all just one story. Yeah. And I think this is, uh, let's talk through this because normally when you're recording on Snapchat or Instagram and you know you have 10 or 15 seconds, depending on which platform, you are normally slowing down or speeding up to kind of pause and get towards the end of that uh, 15 second mark, right? And when people are watching that video, they can tell that you're transitioning and they may not choose to watch the next story, but if it's automatically sliced, there will be none of that kind of cue that I'm coming to the end of a segment and it will just seamlessly... It, it, they won't even notice is what I hear you saying, right? Yeah, and, and in, in a, I wouldn't suggest using this for every single time you go do Instagram stories, but I would say is very helpful because you don't, you don't also have that distracting timer where you're either holding your f- thumb down or have done the hands-free version of it where you're looking down there instead of at the camera to talk to people. So does it allow you to choose the segment slices? Like could you use this yes. for Snapchat as well? Yes, yes, because what this does is, and technically you can use this for Facebook stories as well, is you record the video, you pull it in, it then chops it up into those 15-minute segments, or sorry, 15-second segments, and then 
exports it out to your phone and then you can pull them back in in yep, the order. But here's you want the thing. Them. Instagram is 10 seconds. So do you have the option to, to decide what the segment slice length is? Does that make sense? You mean Snapchat's 10 seconds? Yeah, you can, yeah, you, that's can what I meant. Trim, you could trim those afterwards if you wanted to as well. Yeah, but okay, so uh, let me rephrase. In Storio, can I say I want these sliced into 10 second segments or is it only 15 second segments? Uh, no, it's just the 15 seconds. So, and then it really wouldn't work on Snapchat because Snapchat is 10 seconds. So yeah, probably this, not, but it would work on Insta on Facebook stories and on Facebook messenger day because yes, it's 17 or 18 seconds there or something crazy like that. Yeah. And it, but it would still seamlessly transition, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched them that other people have done and it kind of amazes me how seamlessly it works when you're watching it. So how much does this thing cost? It is free. But if you want to remove a watermark, it's eight ninety nine. Eight dollars ninety nine cents. And um, which uh, devices is it for? Unfortunately, for now, it's only iOS. Got it. How do you spell Storio? Storio is spelled S T O R E O. S T O R E O. And is there a URL or anything, or should we just look uh, it up in the App Store? Yeah, you, I would suggest the easiest way to find it is just typing in S T O R E O in the iOS App Store. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for bringing us that brand new discovery. You're welcome. I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to go to a lot of conferences. And one of the things that I always look at is who are the speakers at the conference? If I don't recognize a decent number of those people that I respect, then I'm probably not going to go to the conference because I know that, you know, I want to hear from people that are truly making a difference uh, with their marketing. So that's a perfect transition to you making decisions about attending conferences. You might be just like me and might say to yourself, all right, I'm not going to just go to any conference because it's money. It costs money to buy a ticket. It costs money to get on an airplane. It costs money to get a hotel. And the people that we have recruited for Social Media Marketing World 2018, these are people that you know and you respect and you probably want to hear from. Some of the speakers include Guy Kawasaki, Mari Smith, Jay Bear, Ann Hanley, Amy Porterfield, Mark Schaefer, Chris Brogan, Tim Schmoyer, Kim Garst, Ginny Dietrich, Sean McBride, Joel Kamm, Marcus Sheridan, Vivica Von Rosen, Amy Schmittauer, Pat Flynn, Cliff Ravenscraft, Chris Penn, and this guy named Michael Stelzner. I don't know if you know who he is. <laughs> if you recognize some of those names and you want to literally learn from them live in sunny San Diego, then you definitely want to get a ticket to Social Media Marketing World because we have some really good early bird sales going on right now where you can save a lot of money significant amount of money, enough money to probably cover your airfare and at least one night in the hotel. So if you go to conferences, I would implore you to check out Social Media Marketing World 2018. Come up to me if you come and say, hey, you persuaded me. I'm coming. I listened to your show. Simply visit socialmediaworld18.com. Again, socialmediaworld18.com. Let's now transition over to this week's interview with Chris Mercer. 
Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Chris Mercer. If you don't know who he is, he's an analytics expert that specializes in helping marketers measure and optimize their marketing. His course is called Master the Fundamentals of Google Tag Manager, and you can find him over at measurementmarketing.io. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So today, Chris and I are going to explore how to use Google Tag Manager to take your retargeting to the next level and beyond. So Chris, um, would love to kind of get a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into this whole analytics game? What's your story? Yeah, like many, like many others, you end up here and you look back, you're like, I could never have planned this uh, as far as a destination. But my, my background has really always been sales and marketing. Hmm. Uh, started in radio back in the day and just sort of progressed and moved up and, and always was in that world. And when I, I left corporate America to kind of investigate this whole online business thing many, many moons ago, and we started a site called uh, WP training videos back in the day. And it was really just for WordPress training videos and to help people understand and learn WordPress because we had just done that ourselves. And uh, that pretty quickly led into people asking us to build their sites for them. So they went from this training model to go ahead and build the sites. And so we created a company and, you know, learned outsourcing and all that fun stuff. How and, long ago is this, by the way? Just Oh, this is going on five or six years ago. Got it. Okay. So like 12, 2012 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And so we, uh, we started that process and we started building people's sites and I had learned about analytics in that process just as a way to, to track things. And I'm, I'm sort of naturally attracted to tools like this. And so I installed Google analytics and set up some tracking on opt-in forms and lead generation forms and things along those lines. And I showed a client, um, that, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, the, the, just the conversation completely changed and the client stopped asking about moving the header and, you know, how can we get the sidebar moved, you know, and graphics and whatever. It didn't care about anything anymore. It was more like, okay, wait a second, what did you do here? And now I can see my results and my traffic sources and what else can this thing do? And, uh, pretty quickly they started just referring other people to call us and talk to us about this thing called analytics that we had understood and started using. And, uh, we made a really big pivot because we realized, um, this is, you know, again, five, four or five years ago at this point that we made that pivot and just realized that people people just didn't understand analytics. It was complicated. It was overwhelming. It was frustrating. Uh, many people had installed Google Analytics, but nobody knew how to use it. And so we just really kind of doubled down and dedicated ourselves to helping make that program more accessible to the masses. And that's what led us into this whole measurement marketing that we're doing now, where you know we're working with marketers, marketing teams, and agencies, showing them kind of what's important to measure and then helping them build these measurement machines, now using tools like Google Tag Manager and, and Google Analytics, and then what to do with it all once they actually got it measuring. So that's kind of how we got to where we were to where we are now. Very cool. Well, Google Analytics is really not easy, let's be honest. I mean, it's like, it's probably wor- it's probably easier to fly an airplane than it is to totally figure out Google <laughs> yeah, Analytics. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. You yep. know, I mean, there's a lot there. It's amazing that this tool is free. And, um, you know, it, one of the biggest struggles that a lot of marketers have is really, you know, measuring everything and how, how to know what works. I mean, it's, you know, I've been doing this industry report for nine years and this has been one of the biggest struggles in the last nine years, you know, every single year is how do I measure? How do I track? So, um, so let's, let's pivot over to Google tag manager. Let's first of all, describe what it is for people and how is it different than Google analytics? Sure. So tag managers in general, back up just a second, talk about what a tag manager is. And that was a tool that was designed to solve an enterprise level problem. So imagine if you're Best Buy and you've got a marketing team and this is like 
going on 10 years ago or so. You've got this marketing team and then you've got a an IT team. And all of a sudden there's this new upstart called Facebook and they start putting out these things called pixels where you can start tracking things online. This is all revolutionary to everybody at this point. And all these pixels are just little copy and paste snippets of code that need to be put on the site. But marketing is who knows about this. IT doesn't. Marketing has no way of getting that code on the pages other than creating IT help desk tickets. So all of a sudden, across a corporate America, IT desks are getting flooded with all these little copy and paste snippet requests about putting strange code all over their site, which obviously was a protected domain up until that point, And nobody else messed with it except for IT. And so there was a problem where not only was IT getting bottlenecked, they couldn't focus on the right projects because they were constantly being pestered by marketing teams. Marketing teams couldn't get the pixels on the pages fast enough. And so by the time they would get a pixel on the page, it's already eight weeks after the campaign they were trying to measure is over. And they couldn't iterate their messages fast enough. And that's where tag managers really were created to solve that problem. So what a tag manager does is it's a go-between, and it's made for the marketer to use and for marketing teams to use. But it's also flexible enough that if there is a developer that's using it, it's even that much more powerful. So it becomes that much more powerful with a developer. But as a marketer, you can learn to steer the ship and basically put individual snippets of tracking code, something like in case of a Facebook remarketing pixel or the the uh, maybe a conversion pixel, something like that, you could fire it at pretty much any point in time that you want on your site without really having to evolve dev in almost all cases. Um, and I'd say almost every case that I've run into, you don't need dev for, for something basic like that. Um, and Tag Manager allows you to do that. So it gives you as a marketer granular control over your measurement and over your tracking. And it acts as kind of like a, almost like a traffic cop where Tag Manager is the go-between between the different platforms. So you were asking about you know the big difference between Tag Manager and Google Analytics. What Google Analytics does is, is three main things. It will collect its data, it will then store the data in its database, and then it builds reports based off that data so that you can use it. And what Tag Manager does is it replaces that Google Analytics ability to collect its own data. So instead of Google Analytics collecting its data and storing it and reporting on it, Google Tag Manager starts collecting the data, it sends it over to Google Analytics so that it can then continue to store and report. But it doesn't just have access to Google Analytics. Tag Manager can then send that same data over to Facebook and also over to AdWords and to LinkedIn and to Twitter and to wherever else it needs to send it so that all the different platforms are getting all the same version of the truth all at the same time because they're getting it from that same source. Yeah, one of the, one of the cool things about it is, and I may not be accurate in this, but I found that if you, if you put all these pieces of code directly into WordPress, it could slow down your website, but if you put them in the tag manager, it's kind of like it prefetches them or something. I don't know. Is that accurate or not? Yeah, there's um, what tag manager has a little technical, something called asynchronous loading, which basically means there's one piece of script. So you put the tag manager script on your site and then you can put all the different tags into, into tag manager. And, and remember a tag is just what do I want you to do? So an example of a tag might be, you know, send a page view over to Google Analytics and let Google Analytics somebody's know, uh, let them know that they're on the site. Or it might be just let Facebook know somebody's on the site. You know, that's what a tag is. Um, and then all the all that um, the those tags that are loading, they're loading on Google servers because that tag manager script, as soon as it starts to load, it kind of lights up Google servers. Meanwhile, your own pages can continue to load, your own servers do their own stuff. They're not slowed down at all by any of those pixels. Very cool. So um, 
so what I hear you saying is the benefit of using this is you don't have to go to some sort of a, a coder or a WordPress person. You can just simply log into Google Tag Manager and you can simply go in there and just say, I want this tag to fire on all pages or to not fire on these pages. And it just kind of magically works. I mean, and, it, and you don't have to rely on someone who knows the technical nuances of where to put it on the website and all that fun stuff. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then if you do have a developer at your disposal, it gets even that much more powerful. So it's almost like they can help you unlock like the super levels um, that Tag Manager has. But absolutely, from beginners, you know, if you don't know code and it kind of freaks you out a little bit and you're just good enough to copy and paste that pixel from Facebook, you can use Tag Manager and still get all of your tracking in place. So what's new with Tag Manager? Is there anything in the last six months or so that if somebody hasn't been in their Tag Manager in a while might not realize is new about it? That's a good question. There's there's always something new um, with Tag Manager. I think the the one thing to check, there's been a couple of big recent changes. Um, one is in how you actually publish the tags. So Tag Manager kind of works like WordPress, where in WordPress you would create a draft of a post or a page, and then once you publish it, it's live for the world and everybody else can see it. It's kind of like that in Tag Manager. They have what they call containers, and you can create a draft, and then um, you can publish it, and then it goes live to the world. So this ability to publish, it used to be you just could have clicked a button, you named it, and you went, and you and you did your thing, and it was live. And now it's, it's more of a two-step process. So um, it gives you a little bit more control to be able to save it as a separate draft and maybe not publish everything live. It just gives you a little bit more control um, over that. So that was a nice change. Um, one of the bigger changes is the new Google Analytics settings variable. So if anyone out there has done uh, created a tag that's a Google Analytics tag, whether that's a page view tag or an event tag or um, a social tag or anything like that, what um, the way that it used to be is you would basically say, okay, well, here's here's my property ID and here's where I want you to send the information. You know, here's here's my Google account, so it knows which analytics account to drop the data into. And that process has changed a little bit with this new variable. But it what it did is it basically dramatically simplified all of the different settings because it used to be that every single time you created a tag that was a, a universal analytics tag or a Google analytics tag, every time you created one, you had to adjust all the individual settings. And now there's just this one place where you kind of do all of the the settings and it and they all inherit into all the different tags. It's it really saves a ton of time. So do we if have anybody to, has hasn't yeah, been back there, definitely get back there. Do we have to change the way we're doing the Google Analytics tag stuff, or is it just automatically updated? Do you know? That's a good question. Yeah, you don't, um, okay. but I would. So, oh, really? Uh, what, okay. what, yeah, what we do, so it, it retros, and Google's real good about this. When they create changes, they don't break stuff, generally speaking. Um, there may be like a half hour or something doesn't work, but generally speaking, they're really good about making sure that um, everything that you've got, sort of that legacy style, still continues to work. So in in the case of somebody who set it up in the original way, let's say, you know, back in February of this year of, of 2017, you know, if you set up in February, it would be set up that, that older way. And then later on in 2017, when that switch was made over that, what they did is they just have a little override button that they've basically pre-checked for you and they've put in your old changes, but they've carried them all over and then you can go back and you can update. But going forward, you will see that it will try to default you to the new way, even though you can still override it and use the old way. So they're, they're really good when it comes to things like that. Now, now we're going to get into some of the ninja stuff now. Um, you can do some cool stuff with Facebook custom audiences and Google Tag Manager. And I would love you to kind of describe what what we can do and kind of let's unlock that a little bit because this is where I think the magic comes in with Google Tag Manager because there's stuff you can do here that you cannot do with Facebook. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, there's, there's the way, so this kind of the separate, separate thing, you've got the Facebook ad platform and then you've got with tag manager an ability, just like you do with Google analytics, you have an ability with tag manager to tell it, okay, I don't want Facebook to know about this yet. Um, and that's, that's where the power comes in. So for example, um, and I, and I'll give you a, a couple of, uh, scenarios. One would be the scenario of building a remarketing audience. So AdWord or in the ad platform of Facebook, you'll go in and typically you'll say, okay, I want to see people who saw this URL and then this URL, but maybe not that URL. And you can kind of build maybe like an abandoned cart sequence or, or something along those lines. Or if you're building a remarketing audience of people who saw the product, but didn't purchase or didn't go to the, didn't become a lead, you know, however your, your social media marketing is going, uh, which is all well and good. But what you're really telling Facebook to do and what Facebook really has access to at that point is it's using its own page view pixel. It's using its own remarketing pixel. And so the second that that pixel gets loaded by the visitor, so if I visit your site and I come to the home page and then I go to the next page, those two, uh, each page view will automatically light up that pixel. So Facebook goes, great, I'm there. Well, what if I accidentally clicked on a link, loaded the page view and then bounced off like in half a second, oh, no, this is what I want, I want to bounce off. Well, Facebook already recorded me as a visit, so I'm already in that remarketing audience for you. And now you're going to follow me around all over Facebook trying to get me to buy the shoes or whatever it is that I accidentally clicked on that I can't get you to stop following me around because I don't know how I got in the list in the first place. Mm. And you hear a lot of that market frustration um, from, from marketers, especially around uh, in social media because the ads are following them everywhere. And so what's happened is um, Facebook doesn't have an option to not show that to you because it can't really tell the difference between somebody who was exposed to the information and somebody who actually engaged and said, okay, yes, I'm on the right spot and this is what I want to start learning more about. Um, but with Tag Manager, you can definitely do that. So what we would recommend is, is taking a look at uh, Facebook custom event pixels, um, which are fantastic. And uh, even if you didn't do custom event, but you just did a regular pixels that they have, like whether it's a purchase or the ad lead or initiate checkout or whatever it is, but you can you can slow down. You don't have to do it just when the page loads. So in our case, we'll do edit what we call uh, we'll set up a custom event pixel and we'll do it. We'll call it an engaged page view. And so if I'm coming to the page, if somebody let's say I'm doing content marketing and I've got a campaign where I boosted a post to my blog. So when somebody comes over to the blog. I don't really care if they come to the blog, they click on the ad, come to the blog and leave. I don't really want to talk to those people that much. I might put them in a separate audience that says, okay, send them another blog post because maybe that one, they just didn't like the style of it or something like that. But I wouldn't want to start hammering them with offers because they just haven't engaged with me yet as a brand. So then what we do is people that do come to the blog post, we'll set, we'll set up an engaged uh, page view custom event pixel that will fire for Facebook. And what that does is that basically, that's Tag Manager, and it's Tag Manager sitting there waiting. And what it's waiting for is for the person to be on the site, like in our case, I think it's 45 seconds or so. So they have to be at least on the site for 45 seconds. So that means they clicked, they spent some time, because 45 seconds is a long period of time, especially in the internet world. And in addition to being 45 seconds, they have to scroll at least halfway down so that I know as a marketer, when I fire that pixel, it's because somebody was 45 seconds on the page, which is a, you know, an eternity, and they hit at least halfway down the content. That's engagement. Okay, Those okay, okay. I want to pause you for a second. Fire. This is sure. where it gets interesting. So what Chris is saying here is that the typical Facebook 
um, custom event pixel will just fire the second somebody comes to the page. And what you really want to know is maybe some more important variable, like like I, in an ideal world, don't fire it unless they spend this much amount of time on the page and scroll this far down the page. And that's where Google Tag Manager comes in, right, Chris? Because what it's doing is it's not allowing the Facebook pixel to fire yet, right? Until those that's actions exactly take right. place. So it's yep. it's like a combination power punch really, isn't it? <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, Google Tag Manager, they have the tags which we talked about. It's just like what you want Tag Manager to do. So in this case, the tag would be, okay, fire a, a pixel and tell Facebook that somebody is now an engaged user, right? Or engaged visitor. Okay. And then there's a, there's a trigger and the triggers in this case would be only after 45 seconds and they've scrolled at least halfway down. So let's start. And that, that is your power punch. What, what kind of triggers does tag manager allow us to have other than time and scroll? Is that all there is or is there more? That's a great question. Um, the, the triggers are limited and I, and I, and I say this only half jokingly, they are limited by your imagination only. Wow. Um, because you can, you can, there's built-in triggers. The built-ins cover things like when the page loads, um, when somebody is there, we talked about time on page already, how long they're on the, the, uh, viewing that page. Um, when they click on a certain link, when they click on a certain image, um, when they click at all, even when you just press the mouse button, that could fire it. Wow. Um, and then, and of course, scroll. But then there's something in Tag Manager called the data layer. And this is, again, something, you know, I, I, I sort of, I'm not a developer by any means, um, but I speak developer. So I'm somewhat comfortable where I can copy and paste code and kind of get an idea of what that's saying. So I've just copied and pasted so much code in my life that I've kind of figured out the language, but I'm not fluent. And um, even, even at my level, where I'm definitely not a, a developer, you can you can use this thing called the data layer, which is in Tag Manager, and that's really just like a virtual filing cabinet. It's a place that Tag Manager stores variables and values. And so like an example of that would be scroll rate, where I can put into the tag into the data layer and say, okay, well, scroll rate now equals 10%. Okay, now scroll equals 20%. Now 50%, now 75%. And I can store all that information in the data layer. And because I can store basically whatever I want in the data layer, I can use that as triggers, as signals, and just look in the data layer and tell Tag Manager, okay, if they are a logged in user and they scrolled halfway down um, and they just purchased an e-commerce transaction that's higher than 50 bucks, now fire this pixel. Wow. And that's all because it's stored in the data layer because I'm using that option of the data layer. It is a, it, and that's what, that's what really unlocks the power of Tag Manager. And, and uh, like I said, you know, even if you're not a developer, you can still get a ton of benefit with the data layer. If you're working with a developer, it just completely unlocks it. It's, it's an amazing experience. Okay, so I got to dig into the data layer thing because I know everybody's saying go there. <laughs> On the data layer stuff, is there people or products out there that we should search for? Like if somebody wants to find a tag manager expert who understands the data layer, uh, who's a programmer or whatever, or if there's if there's software that somehow allows you to unlock some of these features, like where would they go? You know, how would they a, do that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So one, if you're talking to anyone who is claiming to be any sort of authority on Tag Manager, even if they've just started and they don't know the data layer, they are not an authority on Tag Manager because it, it is it is a basic feature. So if you're talking to somebody and they have no idea what that is, then you know talk to somebody else. Um, so that's just a real quick uh, pro tip there. But um, in in the idea of getting information into the data layer, there are lots of places that you can Google and learn that. Um, so the, what, do you search, what, do you, of, what do you search for, just so you know? 
I so mean, literally Google Tag Manager data layer. I see. Um, how, how to get information into the data layer. Uh, there are lots, you know, Simo Ahava is, is a guy that we follow. He is very technical. He's a developer and he speaks to developers. So um, keep that in mind. But um, simoahava.com, it's S-I-M-O-A-H-A-V-A, I believe. Um, but a great resource. We use him all the time. He's he's an amazing guy. And he is, he is a, a you know, makes this thing do backflips and I'm constantly in awe of what he does, but he goes through a lot of the technical things. Um, we'll send developers to go learn from, from his blog. Wow. Um, but he's, he's really a great spot to learn it, but there's you, what you're starting to see, which I'm really happy about is you're starting to see more, uh, even like WordPress plugins that will put information into the data layer for you. Um, and you can actually put information into the data layer yourself using tag manager. So there's lots of ways to do that too. Um, but an example of uh, a WordPress plugin that you should look at, cause it's, it's, it is, um, man, in the beginning, I was kind of like, all right, I, I'm not a big fan of plugins. And I hate the whole black box thing where they just say, oh, give us your account number and we'll take care of everything else. Because then you see plugins that don't update to the newest standards and uh, you run into problems. But this particular um, gentleman who's created this plugin, if you just Google, Google Tag Manager for WordPress, it will be the number one. That's the actual plugin name. Um, I believe it's uh, Dorsel Tomi. Is, is what he goes by. But um, it is an incredible plugin. We actually do not use it to install Tag Manager. We hard code it ourselves and we, we copy and paste and put the actual um, script, the Tag Manager setup script on ourselves. But he has an option on that plugin where if you just check a box, it will start putting information in the data layer and it will start putting information like how far they scrolled. Um, it will actually put in there if they're a reader or if they're a scanner which is pretty cool. So if wow. you like if you hit the bottom of the page within 60 seconds, it'll pop in there that you're a scanner. Well, now you could take that because you have access to that with Tag Manager. You can take that and say, okay, I want to remark it to scanners and send them different blog posts until I find a reader. Do but you realize readers, you're blowing people's minds? <laughs> this is, man, it's not me. It's Tag Manager. You know, we're, we're, we've, just jumped, we've just, just jumped into the rabbit hole big time it here. Is, it is an amazing, it is an amazing tool. Like I'm, I'm just tip of the iceberg stuff. Okay. So cool. So, so this so, is interesting to anybody. Yeah. No, no, no. A lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh. All right. So let me, let me back trail here. First mm -hmm. of all, Google tag manager for WordPress sounds like a ninja plugin to add to your site so that you can get that data into the data layer so that you can have some of these more advanced triggers. Is that a good way of saying that? Yeah, exactly right. And including it, it actually there's integrations and this is why I like this plugin so much. He updates it constantly. And sometimes in the WordPress world, it's hard to see that. Um, but he just did an integration with uh, contact form seven. For, so anybody using that plugin with WooCommerce, I know there's a lot of e-commerce cards out there that use WooCommerce. Wow. And so all of a sudden your, your transactions are showing in the data layer. So now you've got e-commerce information in the data layer. So you can report it to Facebook with the actual amount that they bought, like all sorts of really cool stuff that that plugin does with a couple of clicks. Okay. Um, uh, Google Analytics, if you have the e-commerce capability built in, also has e-commerce data. Does that does that pull in also? So, sort of. So it's the same. It's the same. E when we say e-commerce, we're still we're just talking about the transactions that are in the right. data layer. Okay? Right. Remember now at this point, if you're using Tag Manager for Google Analytics data, Google Analytics is not collecting its own. So at this point, Tag Manager is in control of, of getting of putting the information into Google Analytics. So the data layer controls the e-commerce and it has the e-commerce information in it and all the details like the SKU and the product name and the price and all that. And then you tell Tag Manager, whenever you see a transaction happen, please report all those details over to Google Analytics. And that's how we end up in your Google Analytics reports and the regular e-commerce reports. Okay. So 
backing up a little bit here, the key magic mm-hmm. sauce to Google to Tag Manager in particular is the triggers. I mean, that's really the key, because uh, bringing this back to the Facebook uh, custom event pixels. Um, uh, you, you know, these are going to trigger the moment the page is loaded, regardless of whether the person stuck around for a microsecond or an hour. And yep. the fact that you can now uh, look at things out of the box, like uh, clicks and time on page and scrolls and stuff like that uh, is very, very powerful. And then when you add the data layer into it, all of a sudden your, your mind kind of explodes. But I want to go back to the Facebook custom event pixels. Sure. For people that don't know what the options are there, do you know what they are? Uh, well, so Facebook, the way that it works, you've got your main your main pixel script, and that's the one that kind of looks like just a paragraph of, of right. just random characters, right? What that does is it initiates, it lets Facebook know, it lets the ad platform know that there's somebody on the page, right? And it sends through what they call a page view, which which is the official like yes, they're on the page, and it basically says, okay, somebody's here, stand by for more information. And that's all that pixel does. And then you've got these event pixels. And some of them you're going to be familiar with. If you've if you've taken a look at this in your ads manager, it'll say, you know, purchase or lead or add to cart or add to wish list. And those are all sort of built-in events. And then you have um, custom events. And what custom events are is really you can name them whatever you want. They're completely custom. And so you just take this little snippet of code and then you would fire that when appropriate to your world when, in, when you're doing your measure marketing. So, so what would be an example case, of a custom one? In, in our case, it was, it's exactly that engaged page view. I might ah. call it an engaged page view or an engaged visit, something like that. So that's not a built-in that Facebook has on their own, but I would name it engaged visit um, and then fire that only when those certain conditions are there that trigger the engaged visit, which in our example was the 45 seconds plus 50% of scroll. Okay, cool. Now I have a slightly technical question here. So, sure. um, and I think others might have this as well. You know, typically you take the Facebook pixel and you put it on all pages. And um, every time you create a, um, a custom event, do you um, end up having to create exclusion so that the normal pixel doesn't show up, but the custom one does? Well, that's such a great question. Um, and that is, if there's an error that we see in implementation the most, it's this. Um, and this is because there's some confusion over 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 how this whole thing works. So you have your initialization pixel, right, which is that main one that Facebook gives you. That's the initialization one. It'll actually say INIT in it, and you'll see where it says track page view. And that's, again, telling Facebook somebody's on the page, stand by for more information. So then there's the custom event scripts. And the way that Facebook sort of gives you in the directions, it'll say, okay, well, make sure you fire the, you know, take this page view stuff, this initialization pixel, and then just add on this extra snippet of code to it. Right. So in the tag manager world, what people will do, and again, this, if, if, if anyone's doing this, it's not your fault. This is, there, there's just a lot of confusion on how this works. What Facebook really is telling you is the page view initialization pixel must fire before the event pixel does. Because if you think about it, if it reverses for whatever reason, let's say there was no initialization and then Facebook gets sent a message that says, hey, uh, somebody just became an engaged visit. Facebook's going to look around and say, okay, cool. Where do I put that? And there's not going to be any answer. It won't know where to store that because it was never initialized to get information. So what it will tell you, um, especially if you're using an extension like Facebook Pixel Helper, it will quite literally tell you this. It'll say, I saw this come through. I had no idea what to do with it, so I'm just going to ignore it. 
And that's because it did not get the initialization pixel first, so that was ready to receive that. So you, you got to make sure that those fire first. Um, and in, instead of doing the exception triggers, uh, which are the blocking triggers that keep keep it from firing, what you do is there's something called tag sequencing in Google Tag Manager. And what you essentially do is you say, you just take the little snippet of code that is the, the event itself, that custom, whether it's a custom event or a Facebook event. It's, but it's literally just, just one event. little sentence, right? I mean, it's that. That's it. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's like script with one little sentence and then closing script, right? Okay. So with that one little snippet of code, you put that in there. And then if you go to your advanced settings, you can take a look and you can see tag sequencing. And you can say, fire the Facebook the Facebook page view pixel first, that initialization pixel, make sure this fires before this custom script fires. We're totally doing it wrong over here at Social Media Examiner. So this is like eye-opening. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, not not your fault because there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, because it's like, you know, how many rules do I have to set up? Because it confuses the heck out of you, right? Because absolutely because the uh the, the special event thing is it just gives you one little thing you know like literally just one little thing and it's like you can't just put that little thing on the website you kind of have to put it within the script right i mean right right and, and basically the way to think about it is that script that initialization pixel must load first as long as it's loaded first you're good to add whatever other events you want okay but that, that has to fire first now now the trick and just to put a, a complete cap on this technique is if you're using tag sequencing you're going to tell it before you fire this event whatever that event is make sure the page view pixel is fired uh but you don't want that Facebook initialization pixel firing 14 times on a page because then Facebook will tell you, well, listen, I got 14 different page views, even though I know it's only one, I've got 14 here. Like I'm, I'm getting duplicate page views. Mm. So the on the actual main Facebook kind of remarketing pixel, that initialization pixel we're talking about, also in the advanced settings, there's a section in Google Tag Manager where you can tell it only fire this once per page. So it restricts that page view pixel so that even if you told it to fire 400 times, it will only fire once. And if it's fired once, it'll ignore the rest of them, which is perfect. That's what you want. So it's like a checks and balances. So just in case there's an event that comes around and the, and the for whatever reason, that page view pixel did not fire for Facebook, that initialization pixel, then it'll fire it. But then if there's another event later in that in that page view that happens where somebody's still on the page and they trigger something else, then it will look and say, okay, well, let's go ahead and fire a page view. Oh, no, wait, you know what? Page view, that initialization pixel, it's already fired, so I'm going to not do that. I'm just going to fire the event, and everybody's happy. Facebook gets the exact day that they need. It's super clean, um, and you're not having to worry about 700 different exception triggers to try to keep one thing firing when the other thing shouldn't because it's all automated at that Very point. Cool. Again, using built-in features of Google Tag Manager. Now, I believe that you told me that you can also track sharing actions. Is that correct with Google Tag you Manager? You can. Talk to yes. me about that. Yeah. So this is actually combines with with platforms like Google Analytics because Google Analytics there's a report. Uh, I believe it's under their social report where they have a little thing called plugins, and in that report it will tell you how many people are actually clicking and and liking and tweeting and sharing and whatever else the plus ones will automatically go through because it's Google. Um, but you can actually put all of that information into Google Analytics and track that. And I would imagine from a social media perspective, if I'm doing social media marketing, I want to know how many people are engaging with my content. Not only so that I can measure that, but also because I can then remarket to that. I can, if that information is in Google Analytics, I can build audiences in AdWords and re build remarketing audiences for that. I could use Google Tag Manager to start remarketing to those individuals who are actually the hyper engagers um, and actually sharing my content in a different way because I know that they're doing it because I can measure it. So in order to do that, Tag Manager has, uh, there's, there's a universal analytics tag that you would create 
And in there, there's what they call a, a, a tag type or the, the track type. And there's page view or there's event. And there's one called social. And you just use that one. And what social will do is it will allow you to actually go through and define what the actual network is. So you can define Facebook. You would then say, okay, when they click on the Facebook like button, please tell me it's a Facebook like, and you can define that. And then you can define the URL or whatever the thing was that they liked or shared. And so you, and then you can see all this information in Google analytics. Wow. So it's a, it is a fantastic feature that a lot of people just don't know is a thing, which is why I think it's just so widely underused because it's not one of those headline things that everybody talks about, but from a social media marketing perspective, I would imagine that would be gold because you're, you're able to track all sorts of levels of social media engagement, prove that what you're doing is working and ultimately can lead to purchases. Like you could create a, a segment in Google analytics and say, okay, you know, maybe you want to go to your, to your C-level suite and do a presentation and, and about this whole social media marketing. They're putting a ton of money behind. You could say, here's everybody who's liking your content. Here's everybody who isn't. And then on average, here's how much people that like your content are worth. And here's how much people that do not like your content are worth. And you might see that there's a, a nice little boost in that, right? Maybe people that like your content buy twice as much as people who don't. Um, that's something that would be useful and could help guide marketing and get bigger budgets and, um, you know, expand the social media team. Now, is there a way, I'm just thinking creatively out of the box here, is there a way with Tag Manager to say, okay, if someone performs a Facebook like or share, um, trigger some sort of a Facebook audience as well? Sure. So yeah, you could you could send an event pixel if you wanted to and say, hey, fire into a custom event that says they liked on Facebook. Now, obviously, Facebook should should know that. But you could do that for Twitter, for LinkedIn, right? Anybody who did any sort of social media engagement, please fire back a custom pixel to the different platform. Yeah, or, or even, though, even though they yeah. should know that, I don't think they provide that. I don't believe I think believe you're right. At the yeah, page they, they level, they do. So at yep. the at, when you manage a page, you can remarket to people that are doing certain actions on your page at the you know, at, on facebook.com or on the mobile app, but, but not necessarily random people coming to your website and clicking a button on the website. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So yeah. that, that's crazy stuff. Um, Chris, we could go on forever, man, but you know, this is pretty, <laughs> pretty insane. So why don't you tell people where they can discover more about you and all the stuff that you're offering, uh, to folks, if they want to learn more about the kinds of things we've been talking about, where can they find you and, and all that good stuff? Sure, absolutely. So if uh, if you want to find out more about just measurement marketing in general, just head over to measurementmarketing.io. And then we also have set up uh, a specific promotion um, just for people, obviously, to listen to this podcast because then we're going to go through a lot of the, the techniques and some of them can be a little technical. So we've just created a summary sheet that will walk them through step by step of how to do that, um, specifically around this timing because that where we talked about the initialization pixel and the custom events and how to actually do all of that um, because I think that's the one that most people – by default will do incorrectly just because the directions aren't out there as much. And so we've created a one sheet that you can go grab. Um, and that's over at measure.tips slash S M M P for a social media marketing podcast. So measure.tips slash S M M P. Should there be a, Oh, measure.tips. Okay. Measure.tips. Yeah. It's just a little short link. I didn't even know you could get a dot tips. That's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> measure.tips slash say it again. What's the rest of it? So, so measure.tips slash S M M P. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, Chris Mercer, thank you so much for sharing your awesome wisdom and insight. I'm like ready to go start messing around with Tag Manager. <laughs> it's been an honor, man. Happy to help. Well, I hope your mind was blown as much as mine was because frankly, there's a lot of stuff Chris talked about that I'd never heard of before. Like that WordPress plugin and that crazy ninja dude that 
does that stuff with the data layer and all that fun stuff. If you want links to all that, we make it easy for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 256. That stands for episode 256. Also, new to the podcast, don't miss, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know how else to say it, an amazing lineup that I've got coming. Simply hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. And don't forget to check out Social Media Marketing World 2018, socialmediaworld18.com. Check out the speakers, check out the agenda. Ask yourself whether or not it's something that's smart investment for you. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.